grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ in the United Methodist Church of Uniontown. I'm Vicar Derek Kabilis, and this is Exile Cast for the 1st of December in the year of our Lord, 2020. Well, it finally happened. I woke up this morning, put on my coat, got the dogs on the leash, took a step outside, and what did I see but a nice, fluffy blanket of snow on the ground, on the trees, on every rooftop. Now, I know that some of y'all just hate the snow, right? Driving in it, shoveling it, the, the way it gets in the, the cuffs of your pants, and it, it makes them all wet and slushy at the bottom. To some folks, the snow is almost oppressive, like a limiting factor on our lives. It decides that there are just certain things, some activities, we're just not allowed to do right now. And as a species, particularly as Americans, I think we react against that, don't we? We don't like boundaries on what we can and cannot do. But you know, the thing that I just love about freshly fallen snow, it makes everything so quiet. Did you ever notice that? Did you ever notice the way it, it, it just sucks up and absorbs all the, the typical racket of the machinations of our post-industrial world? All the car sounds and the jet noises and the house noises, all of it. It's almost like a, a blanket of silence that just falls upon the earth. And then it beckons you to go back inside grab a blanket, make a cup of coffee, get out a book or a podcast or some needlepoint, whatever, and just lose yourself for the rest of the day. Now, I don't know about you, but most of the time I can't do that. <laughs> I gotta get to the office, I've got work to do, things that gotta get done. But every once in a while... It's just nice to get the offer, isn't it? I hope that at some point during this Advent season we have just begun, you take the snow up on that kind of proposition. I hope just once during this cold, lonely winter, you find the time and the space in your life to get all nice and cozy, say a few prayers, and just lose yourself in something wonderful. Because there's grace in that. God is in that. Whenever you can disconnect from the busyness that, that we all think makes the world go round and, and allow yourself to be reminded that all you really need is the warm lap of your father. Then in that moment, 
you will have made a world of spiritual progress. Thanks for joining us today. Our gospel lesson on this first week of Advent comes to us from St. Mark, the 13th chapter, verses 24 through 37. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as the branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight, at cock crow or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I wish to preach to you this morning from the title, The Microburst Messiah. Please pray with me. And now, most holy and merciful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O God, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> you know, I thought Advent was supposed to be about merriment. And the little baby Jesus and peace and goodwill and, and all that warm, fuzzy kind of stuff. 
Yet every Advent starts this way. If you notice, the scriptures on the first Sunday of Advent always start with a big storm. And the sun being blotted out and and the moon turning to blood. Every Advent starts with these dark prophecies of destruction and suffering and tumult and war. Just when we are starting to prepare for the warm joyfulness of Christmas. Just as we start hanging our holly and buying our gifts and making our cookies The gospel lesson comes on that first Sunday and hits us over the head with the end of the world. So what gives? Well, the first thing you got to know was that to the ancient Jews, in the Judaism of the first century now, the coming of the Messiah was the apocalypse. It was the end of the world. The end of life as they knew it, so that a new life could be born. See, we think of the Messiah as this hopeful, sort of cheery time, don't we? We look forward to it as the most festive time of the year with our lights and ribbons and carols. But to the ancient Jews, to speak of the coming Messiah was to speak of a sudden, unstoppable force, a a deluge of divinity washing over the world. For those in the first century, the coming of God's chosen one, the the son of David, the heir to the divine throne, would would be a crucible for humankind, a, a storm that would churn and burn and blow all the empires away until all that would be left would be God and God's people. The coming of the Messiah, the Mashiach in Hebrew, was the coming of one who would bring war. One who would bring darkness and thunder and flooding torrential rain. The prophet Isaiah prayed for the Messiah to come finally. And and when he prayed that prayer, he said, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down that the mountains would quake at your presence, that the nations would tremble. Now, does that sound like Advent to you? To the Jewish mind, it looked a whole lot more like Revelation than the little town of Bethlehem. The coming of the Messiah wasn't supposed to be a silent night, a a sweet and dreamless sleep. It was a hurricane, a storm that would rip through the world and topple and uproot and, and blow everything over. But if only they could survive the storm, was the Jewish hope. If only they could get through 
the, the tumult and the turbulence of the coming of the Messiah, if only they could just write it out, then on the other side of the storm would be an age of peace and justice and equity and fairness, where God would be their king and dwell in their midst, and they would no longer be subject to the, the torments and the persecutions of the Romans or the Babylonians or the Egyptians, but they believed that first came the storm. Like a mother giving birth, if only they could get through those labor pains, then on the other side, they would finally have a taste of a new and eternal life. So how do you get through a storm? How do you weather the wind and the rain and the thunder and lightning? You know, back when I was a preacher up in uh, Oberlin, we had this crazy weather event happen to us. Uh, it was called a, a microburst. Have you ever heard of a microburst before? Essentially, a, a microburst is like a wind bomb. It's this rare meteorological event that happens when a big mass of heavy air uh, literally falls to the earth and explodes out in all directions. The wind of a microburst can reach over a hundred miles an hour. It's, it's like a small localized hurricane that just comes out of nowhere. So that happens just down the street from my house, maybe three or 500 yards. There are trees uprooted everywhere, road signs torn off their posts, shingles lying in the road, and my neighbor lady gently weeping on her back porch. You, you see, she and her husband had the most beautiful yard. And over top of it all were these two mighty oak trees standing 50 feet tall that, that her and her husband had planted when they had moved into the neighborhood decades ago. But now... One was uprooted, and the other was split in half, and they both had to be cut down. I went out to look at the tree in our yard to see if it was damaged, and to my surprise, it was just fine. It didn't even lose a limb, uh, just some leaves on the ground. That was it. And, and I, I, I said, well, well, what's the difference? And I kind of wondered it out loud. And, and, and I said, why did your trees break and fall over while mine made it through? That's a willow tree, my neighbor said. It's less rigid than my trees. It moves with the storm. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as the branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, 
you know that the summer is near. The thing you got to know about this passage is that springtime in Israel has a tendency to be the stormy season. The season when the, the cold, low-pressure air coming down from Europe get, gets butted up against the high, hot winds of Africa. And sometimes the storms will just sit right over Israel for weeks at a time until they just blow themselves out. But it's at just this time when the fig tree does something amazing. It flushes water up from its roots to its wood, which, which makes its branches soft and pliable, able to, to sort of wave in the wind rather than be stiff, rigid, and brittle as they are in the wintertime. See, the lesson of the fig tree is not simply that it knows what season it is. It's that it knows when the storm is coming. And it makes itself limber and flexible so it can move with the storm when it comes. You know, there was a church not too far from here, actually. Uh, a little congregation in our district, maybe 50 or 60 people on a Sunday morning. And that church got struck by a freak East Ohio tornado. It just came through and, and, and toppled the church building, basically. It, it tore off the roof. It caved in some walls. Just completely destroyed. A total loss. So the church got a little insurance money for it. And no one could agree on how to spend it. Part of the church just wanted to close up shop and... And have everyone spread out to other churches because there were so many in the area and they thought they could just give the money to the conference and they would use it for scholarships or whatever and, and, and just be over and done with it. Others in the church were, were just strident that they wanted to rebuild, that they wanted to, to, to rebuild the exact same church they wanted the same sanctuary the same floor plan the same sunday school rooms everything just the same and then there was another group some folks saw the desolation of the storm the building lying in a heap and they wanted a brand new church a church with a different floor plan and a totally different sanctuary. They wanted more versatility, right? They, they wanted better classrooms. They wanted more accessibility. They wanted it to be a place where, where the community could gather and so on and so forth. And so this argument split the church. Some folks left altogether. Some folks went to other churches. And a small group stayed right there on that corner and rebuilt. And wouldn't you know it, ten years later, that new church 
at a Sunday attendance of over 400 people. You see that last group, that group of dreamers, they saw the destruction of that storm as an opportunity. They saw the tornado not as an act of judgment, but as a blessing, a gift of, of a new future. They saw the rebuilding of the church not as some arduous chore or project, but as a fresh start. In short, they didn't let the storm break them. Instead, they bent with the wind. It was their tenderness and their flexibility, their willingness to adapt and to change and to evolve that allowed them to see the hope and the promise on the other side of the storm. Well, brothers and sisters, we live today in an age of rigidity. We live in a culture that values stiff-necked stubbornness and pig-headed obstinance, a society where the answer to every question always seems to be to, to stand tall, to stick out your chest, draw a line in the sand, and stand your ground. Compromise has become a, a dirty word. Empathy, an epithet of weakness, vulnerability, a, a, a terrible vice. Every day, the talking heads scream at us from our screens that yet another hurricane is headed our way, and we better dig in and shore up and, and steal our backs for the struggle. We live in a time where everyone wants to be loud and proud, a mighty yoke unto themselves, standing tall and straight, stiff in principle, rooted in unflappable beliefs and values. Meanwhile, the wind blows, the boughs break, the trunk splits, but the grass, the low, wispy, humble grass, always stays right where it is. The arrogant are toppled because they are petrified in their ways. But the humble, the grassy, willow souls of fig-bearing saints, they are the ones that have true hope because they can see through the storm. You know, we all have storms in our lives. Problems with money and work and family and church. We have crises and cancers and COVID. Fears and stresses and angsty nights spent with balled up fists and eyes that just won't close for sleep. As I like to say, the apocalypse happens every day for somebody. The storms rage, the lightning strikes, the stars fall from the sky, 
and the dead break in their rigidity. But the tender, the flexible, the ones who bend with the storm instead of raging against it, they're the ones that have the real hope. These words I offer to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to leave you today with a little quote from the author Sandra King. She writes, Be like the single blade of grass, for she too has been trampled on, mowed down, and hit with such bitterly cold stretches that she had to shut down just to survive. Yet still she stands upright with dignity, knowing that she endures, and still she dances with the wind. Brothers and sisters, I hope you find the tenderness to dance with the wind in your life. And may the love of God the Father, the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with you and be with you, now and always. Amen. <laughs>